What if I told you that 75% of employers get trial periods wrong? That's right. Only 25% have gotten them right for the better part of a decade. What that means is most of the employers are not following requirements, reasonable expectations, and what is set out in case law. But don't worry, that's why I'm here. So if you stick around and listen to this episode, I'm going to make sure that you get trial periods right so that you don't become another statistic. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Lawlands. My name is Sanam and thank you so much for tuning in today. Another episode and this one is on trial periods. I hope you all have been enjoying these episodes. Please feel free to follow, to subscribe and to make sure that you share the podcast with any of your friends, any of your colleagues, because my whole prerogative here is to make sure that employment law is done right. I always have content ideas but it is always beneficial to know what you want to hear and what you feel like is trending at the moment, maybe in your workplace. So feel free to reach out. If you find it a bit awkward sending an email through to the asklawlands at gmail.com email, then feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn. I promise I won't bite. (laughs) I know that trial periods have probably been circulating. If you are in the HR employment scene, then you would have definitely seen something out there around trial periods and people reminding and refreshing you on all of the details that you need to know. 75% of employers getting trial periods wrong is mind-boggling, but it isn't at the same time because I understand how difficult it is to navigate all of this information. Trial periods have recently changed and like I had put out in December on Christmas Day actually, trial periods have changed and we are back to the old days where trial periods are applicable to all businesses. Yay! What that means is that trial periods will now, if you have more than 20 employees, if you have under 20 employees, if you have a million employees, whatever it might be, you are able to completely utilize and tap in to trial periods. So this episode is going to give you some hard truths. Look, I I truly do mean it. I do not want you to become part of that statistic. And I have dealt with a lot of trial period terminations that have gone wrong and they have come for advice after the fact when the employee has raised a personal grievance and we have had to navigate that at mediation or at the authority level. And I just don't want any employer or any person to be in that situation both for the employee and the employer. Hopefully you walk away really understanding, okay, these are the things I really need to look out for. Because the problem that many businesses have is that they throw a trial period clause into the employment agreement, but they think that's all it takes to make a trial period valid. But guess what? We're in the New Zealand employment space and employment relations in New Zealand is not black and white. And I'm sorry if this is the first time you're hearing it. It's not probably the best thing to hear, but it is true. It's not black and white. And what we have here is a lot of nuances, a lot of expectations on an employer that is based off of case law. So that's where it gets a little bit complicated. And the framework that we're working with is a little bit different. It's not just based off of legislation. Let's kick it off with what is a trial period to start off with, because the trial period and the trial period clause is something that comes up a lot. And now it's going to be utilized by a lot of businesses across the board. The first thing I want to say is that a trial period clause and a probation 
period clause or probationary clause is completely different. A lot of businesses will be tapping into the trial period clause because it is a quicker way to look at terminating an employee if you go through the correct process. You need to go through the right way to do it and follow the right requirements. If you've done that and your trial period clause is valid, then it is a much stronger clause to use than trying to terminate off of a probation period. The probation period is like a trial period, but you are dealing with multiple processes that might need to be undertaken in order to terminate the employee. The probation period will take a lot longer to terminate an employee. Whereas with the trial period, as long as it's all correct, you just need to tell them we're going to look at terminating your employment. And that's a lot better than going through probation and saying, hey, we're going to put you on this performance improvement plan. Then we're going to put you on this one and then this one. And then we're going to look at terminating you. It's a longer, more drawn out and more labor intensive process. And if you're ever in doubt, find and seek legal advice. If you're ever in doubt, get some legal advice. The Hundreds of dollars that you will pay for a one hour session just speaking to a lawyer will be well worth it compared to the tens of thousands. Yes, you've heard that correctly. The tens of thousands that you may need to pay to an employee that only walked in and worked for maybe three days and then now they're raising a claim. So you just don't want to go down that path. Now, in terms of what a trial period is, it all comes under section 67, 67A particularly has three criteria that it lists out for a trial period and what that means. And the first one is around the trial period clause or the, the term that the employee is put on not exceeding 90 days. So it starts from the beginning, the day one that the employee commences their employment and it cannot exceed 90 days from that date. Now that's the first. The next one, which is also needed, is that during that period, the employer can dismiss the employee. And then the third one is that the employee cannot bring a personal grievance or other legal proceedings around the dismissal. Now, that doesn't get you off the hook. I always used to get, but the clause in the contract clearly says the employee can't raise a claim. Well, my friends, I've told you employment law is complicated and the employee can still raise a grievance for other grounds, for legal proceedings on other grounds, such as a breach of good faith, such as disadvantage, such as discrimination. Aside from that, you still need to make sure that you've done everything correctly because anything that invalidates that clause, boom, the dismissal claim, going ahead, and then you're going to be part of that 75% statistic. The clause in the agreement needs to be in accordance with Section 67A. It enables the employer to dismiss the employee easily as long as a fair and reasonable process is followed. And this is all done in that first 90 days of employment. There is still a requirement to make sure that you give correct notice and we'll break that all down. So let's get into all of that. That's just a bit of an idea around what the trial period is. So it's basically a clause that goes in there. It really gives you the ability to test out the suitability of an employee for that 90 days max and what it allows you to do is dismiss the employee because they're just not suitable. The requirements that need to be met are critical and we're going to get into all of the requirements. The first one is that you cannot have this particular employee that's coming on board, you cannot have them have worked for you in the past. So they need to be brand spanking new. They need to be no tasks, no duties, not even 
reviewing a couple of emails before they've signed a contract, nothing like that. It needs to be an employee that's brand new, that has never, ever stepped foot in your business. And I'm talking about even if they were a casual, we used to get that a lot. Oh, they did a little bit of work for me casually over the course of the summer. So I should be able to give them a trial period. No. If they've been on your books in any capacity, then no. They cannot be deemed as a brand new employee for the sake of of the trial period. So keep that in mind. And like I said before, the clause needs to hit those three points. So 90 days, the employee can be dismissed and they can't raise a, a dismissal claim or any other legal proceedings relating to that. Those are the first two. Then after that is that the trial period must be agreed to in good faith between both parties. The good faith agreement between the employer and employee That needs to really be broken down. You must be sitting there going, okay, good faith is all great. What does that actually mean? Well, we know from cases what this means. We know that one, there needs to be an employment agreement that has a trial period clause in there because in good faith, you're providing this clause so that you can show the employee and they can reach agreement. So we know that's one. Now, the the employment agreement needs to specify as part of that, that clause when the trial period commences and how long the trial period will be. I know it's simple, but people get it wrong. And a lot of times I have opened up an agreement and I have looked at the schedule, maybe at the back or even just the clause in general, and it's confusing. There'll be one date for when they commence, one day for when they start work. Sometimes there'll be something in there of when the trial period starts. It's all confusing. Make it very clear. The trial period commences on the day that the employment commences. Make sure you have a date for when that employment commences. That is a very common issue that I saw across a lot of contracts was that there would be no specific commencement date or the commencement date would be a bit confusing. So make sure you make it very clear and make sure that there is an actual date that the employee commences work. You can even specify how long the trial period will last and even have an end date for the trial period. Just run it through a date calculator, triple check it and make sure that you've gotten it right and it has to be exactly 90 days. I will link the 90-day calculator and you can always have a look at that as well. But keep in mind that the dates are really important and you need to be very clear. Always draft everything as if it is going to be read by a third party, whether that is an a representative on the other side, a mediator, whatever it might be. Just make sure that you've drafted it in that way so that it's not ambiguous and it's very clear and straightforward. Now, that is to do with the employment agreements, needing to have the clause included in them and a little bit of extra information. Also, what you need to do is make sure that they're fully aware that they are going to be assessed for 90 days. The best way to do this is to draw attention to it by putting it in the letter of offer. A lot of times employers will get it wrong because they will not put anything in the letter of offer. They will just shove it into the agreement and hope for the best. But the letter of offer needs to clearly detail that this employee will be placed on a 90-day trial period. The letter of offer needs to mention that this particular clause will apply and that the employee needs to be aware of it. And then that way you can always make sure that there is no argument from the employee saying, you never told me about this. I didn't know what a trial period was and I just didn't have an opportunity to seek advice. You just don't want that. So make it very clear. Now, speaking of seeking advice, the next requirement would be that you need to provide a reasonable opportunity for the employee to seek 
independent advice. Maybe they want to go speak to a lawyer, maybe a parent, maybe a guardian. It is not for you to make the call of, no, 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 they don't need to to go and speak to anybody. We'll just sign them up now. Provide them with that time. A lot of cases have really pointed to this fact that the employee has been rushed into signing. I remember I dealt with a particular case right before I left private practice where this reputable security company had this person come in. They were offered a job as a security guard and they were offered the job on the spot. Somebody stood next to them that was a manager asking them to hurry up and sign the contract because they wanted them to do their first shift and to go and do the induction process. You can see that pressure that's placed on this particular employee. They came to us and they mentioned this and we thought, what a situation to put someone in. You didn't give them a reasonable opportunity to walk away and to review anything. You made them sign on the spot and they weren't really given much time to seek any kind of advice. It's not ideal to run your processes that way because you will get tripped up when you're looking at terminating somebody. Now, when it comes to employees that are hired on the spot, that that becomes an issue. When it comes to people that sign contracts last minute, that becomes an issue. If I could give you any tip, and this is not because I want businesses (laughs) to have to delay their hiring process. I get it. We're under uh, the pump when it comes to skill shortages, staff shortages and industries. The hard truth, like I said, I'm going to give people in this episode is that the law does not care. The Employment Relations Authority does not care. The employment courts do not care. And I know that it's hard to hear and it's a hard pill to swallow. We saw it in COVID. They do not care. The law is the law. There might be slight changes here and there, but they do not care. And what you need to do is look out for yourself. And the best way to do it is to make sure that you give the employee enough time to review an employment agreement. So I would say if you're going to make an offer, ideally, ideal situation would be to offer them three to five business days. Look, I have seen some situations where you can bring it down to two business days, but I would really keep that open and say, please, if you need additional time, take some time. But I would highly, highly suggest to anyone out there, just based on the cases that we've seen, all of the information, the more time you give them, the better. And three to five business days would be ideal. Why business days? Well, business days are the days that usually most lawyers, HR advisors operate. And so it comes under the business hours. I would always get this. We've got the employee, we've interviewed them. It's on a Friday and we really, really, really want to sign them up ASAP. Can we just use the weekend as the two days? No, don't use the weekend. Give them business days because it's so much better for them to actually know that they have ample time to go out and get the advice. Don't do the whole rushing and hurrying things up to sign them and get them on board. If that's anything that I've seen, it's it was always in construction, in hospo, in those fast moving sectors where you see people jumping ship quickly and you see staff shortages and skill shortages. That is the industries where I saw last minute hires, quick signups. And that is the, the industry I see the most churn in where the employee doesn't do a good job. And now you're stuck having to performance manage them for six months, a year or more and trying to get them out. Don't be in that position. Set yourself up right. The last thing that needs to be done as part of a requirement, of course, as with anything where two people are agreeing or two parties are agreeing, is making sure that you sign 
the employment agreement. So the employee needs to sign and return that employment agreement. They need to do this. And this is very critical as well. This still comes under the issues that I've seen. You need to make sure that the employee signs the employment agreement before they commence work. And this is where it gets into semantics, right? Unless you can show some sort of time record that this employee was meant to start on the 22nd of January, and even though they signed the agreement in the morning, the shift might have been at 3 p.m., unless you can really prove that, it's very hard to show that they didn't sign two minutes before they walked in for their shift or during their shift. What proof do you have? So I wouldn't even go near it. Make sure that the contract is signed and dated well before that date. It could be the day before. It could be a week before. Before that commencement date, that's when the contract needs to be signed. Now, those are the the major requirements. You can tell these are all based off of cases. This is not something that's readily available for you to just pull up in, in some sort of legislation. It's all case law. So that's why I'm saying you really need to be vigilant and you really need to make sure that you're meeting all of the criteria. And I will put all of this information into the description as well so that you can go to these links and check out this information. And I'll put some information from reputable law firms as well that you can check out and have a look at. So just to recap the fact that the employee hasn't worked for you before, the fact that there needs to be good faith between the parties, which involves making sure that the clause is correct, making sure that the employee knows there's going to be a trial period included before they start working, and making sure that they can seek advice and that they sign the agreement and return it before commencing employment. So you've set up the trial period correctly. You've met all of the requirements when you've brought them on board. Now you want to look at safely dismissing or terminating this employee. And let's say that the employee is just not fitting in with the culture. They're not the vibe. They're not what you thought that they would be. And they're just not suitable. So now you want to terminate. Firstly, you need to make sure that trial period clause is valid, that it hits those points that's required under the legislation, and that you have met those requirements that we discussed. If all of that is correct, you've ticked all of the boxes and you feel really confident about this. There's no other underlying issues in the workplace. It's very clear cut for you then now you're going to be looking at terminating the employee and terminating them safely. I always used to get questions around, do I need to provide a reason? The short answer is no, but it's complicated. It can get complicated because what we've seen under all of the cases is that technically the employer is not required to provide an opportunity to comment on the information or they don't need to meet any requirements to basically justify the dismissal. If the employee asks, then they need to provide reasoning, but it can be verbal. So you see where it can get complicated here. Now we're talking about, do I need to provide a reason? Well, no. But if the employee asks, then yes, out of good faith, provide one. It doesn't need to be in writing. This is going to be an unpopular opinion. And I'm just going to put this banner, this warning with flashing sirens and lights there to say that this is not what is required, but it is something that I would implore you to have a look at and consider implementing in your business because it will leave you in a better position where there just won't be any room for anyone to question what you've done or why you've done it. When I worked in advisory, we used to provide a two 
pronged letter, basically. And the first part of that letter was to say, look, we're really concerned about your suitability for the role and your performance. And these are the issues that we're finding. We'd like to have a chat to you and see where we can go from there. But we are looking at terminating your employment under the 90 day trial period. So that would be an intro, basically the first prong. And then the second prong confirmed that after assessing the employee and speaking to them, that the company would terminate the employee. It's not a requirement. I want to emphasize that and really hammer it down. But if you feel comfortable and if you feel like the situation is very clear cut and you want to create the sense of morale or you do want to be empathetic towards people, you do want to provide them a little bit more reasoning, you absolutely can. But make sure that you have a good and safe situation where you can do that and you're not self-incriminating or putting anything in these letters that is making the company look bad. If you feel a bit iffy, go and speak to somebody. Speak to a lawyer. Find somebody that is an, a HR advisor that can help you with the situation because, like I said earlier on, they can still raise claims for sexual harassment, for bullying, for human rights issues, and then also be looking at discrimination, breach of good faith, all of that kind of stuff. So just be careful with that. But that is definitely something that you can use where you take a two-pronged letter approach to basically put the employee on notice to say, your performance not doing so great. Let's work on fixing this. We can monitor the employee for maybe another couple of weeks, a month, and then off the back of that, have a meeting with them and say, look, we're going to be terminating you. So that is an option there. Use that repurpose it, take it for your business, see what you want to do. It's more so that I see the trend in terms of where HR is going and employment relations is going. And we're becoming more and more aware and empathetic when it comes to our employees. So this is just an additional factor that you can have a look at and consider implementing into your business. But like I said, no self-incriminating stuff in that letter. Now, that is the first part is do I need to give a reason? in terms of the terminations. No, you don't. Unless the employee asks, then say something verbally. Just let them know. Maybe their performance is, is not up to par. Notice. Notice is really critical. In your employment agreements, there will be a notice period. But aside from that, the notice that we are talking about is not the notice period, not the two weeks, four weeks or whatever. It is about putting the employee on notice or basically telling them that, hey, you are being terminated. A lot of employers miss this step. The employer will send a text message or they will say something along the lines of, you're on a 90 day trial period, you're out. Bye. That's it. They haven't really solidified and really notified the employee. So what is notice? It's appropriate written notice that happens during the trial period. So you're not falling outside of the date of the trial period. Make sure you send it to them within the trial period. And you're saying to the employee that, look, I am basically letting you know that you are being terminated under this particular clause. And you need to point to the clause and you need to be specific about what section of the employment agreement is being used. And also letting them know that they need to either work out their notice, maybe you don't want them to work out their notice, you can figure all of that out at that time depending on the difficulty of the employee. But if they're fine to be at work, you're basically letting them know that, hey, you're going to be terminated, it's under the 90-day trial period, this is a specific clause in your employment agreement, and you will need to work out one week's notice, whatever your notice period is. So it's 
essentially letting them know that they will not be an employee. It's putting it in writing. It's solidifying it. It's not good to have a text message as your writing medium. So please make sure you put it in in letter format, something signed off by the company to make it very clear and you do it within that 90-day time frame. Now, the next part would be looking at the notice period. And that is very different. In your employment agreements, you should have a section or some sort of wording around what notice will look like. Now, usually it's split into two areas. So one will be notice relating to just general employment. Some people do four weeks, some people do three weeks, two weeks, six weeks, eight weeks, whatever it is. (laughs) So that's the first area. Then you can have notice that's specific to your trial period. So that might be only one week. That might be five days. Make sure that the notice period is very clear. If you've got two different ones and you've split them up and you've got one for your trial period and one for your normal notice period, make sure it's very clear. Don't have a weird wording around what the notice period should be. I know I laugh and I say weird wording. It's because I've seen a lot of bizarre notice period. I think the last one that I saw that was the most bizarre was five business days. Now, this particular employee worked on a weekend and then also a couple of other days in the week. So five business days for them was like a weird way to measure how many days notice that they were meant to have. So keep it very clear. If it's one week, it's one week. If it's one day, it's one day. No need to be calling it business days. No need to be putting it in hours or just keep it very simple and also make sure that you are very clear with what the notice is and let's say you're looking at terminating if you haven't put any notice periods in there then you need to go with the main notice period that you have across the board for the agreement so unfortunately if that's four weeks then that is going to be four weeks because you haven't specified it for the trial period so best to always have it very specific it is highly recommended by a lot of employment lawyers that you should terminate well before the trial period comes to an end. And that's because it gives you a lot more wiggle room. You can have conversations if you want to do that in your business. You can make sure that you really monitor their performance and that you've actually done your due diligence there. And the best thing about making sure that you terminate well before is that the 90 day doesn't lapse. And you're not put in a situation where all of a sudden now the 90 days has passed and now you want to look at terminating. I deal with this constantly where managers are sitting on issues with an employee. Employers do the same thing. You you sit on it and you wait and you think maybe this person will get better. They'll get better. They'll get better. And all of a sudden you're on the 91st day and you want to terminate. If you terminate and it's invalid, then the employee has full rights to raise that personal grievance. So you need to make sure that you terminate within the 90 days and you've done everything correctly and you've made sure that you've met all the requirements, that there is no contentious stuff happening there in the workplace. You don't want somebody saying, I've been sexually harassed in the workplace and then now all of a sudden you're terminating them under a trial period. You want to make sure that you've navigated and you've done your due diligence and you've um, followed fair and reasonable processes and followed and looked into concerns because that is part of your good faith requirements to act on things in the workplace, be communicative and, and respond quickly. So you need to make sure that you've done all of that and make sure that you have followed a, a correct process if there's anything else happening. 
if I could leave you with any of my tips, any of, of the things that I have seen where I see a lot of employers getting tripped up, I have given you a few throughout, but the last bit would be warnings and the things that I would warn you of. The first one is do not add any fluff to the clause in the agreement. What do I mean by that? <laughs> I mean that I have seen clauses that have said, quote unquote, the employee will be told of any performance issues and will be provided with two weeks to rectify these issues where the employer will meet with them again and discuss their performance. Do not put any of that. That is fluff. That is basically you shooting yourself in the foot by saying, I will now give you an extra two weeks time to see if your performance will improve. So this means that when you're on the 85th day and you're looking at terminating the employee, now you're stuck because you've told the employee that you will virtually sit there and go through this process. And that means it will take you well and truly over the 90 days because you have to give them that two weeks. I have seen this happen many times. I have seen it happen because of old historic clauses and contracts that nobody reviews. So please make sure you review your contracts. Please make sure that you've looked at them and that you understand what the clauses are and that they meet the criteria that they need to meet. The next one is you shouldn't have a probation period clause running simultaneously with the trial period clause. So do not have in there that the employee will be placed on a trial period from the first day they commence employment for 90 days and also have that from when they commence employment, they will be on a probation period for three months, for example. It's a disadvantage to basically put them on both. So if one doesn't work out, you'll use the other one. Don't do that. Pick one, do it well, and do it right. That's to do with making sure that things are not running simultaneously. Now, 90 days maximum. A lot of this is common sense, but 90-day trial periods need to be 90 days maximum. This doesn't mean that you do three months it means exactly what it is. It's just 90 days and you need to make sure that you use this to test out the suitability. You can have, because of the wording and the legislation, a maximum of 90 days, which means that you can have 30, you can have 60, you can have any number that you want. But what I would say to you is why. 90 days gives you more wiggle room. It gives you more leverage. It gives you more ability to see the suitability of this particular employee why would you do anything less than that? So keep that in mind. But I have seen people put in 60 days. It's just a matter of how would you uh, want to assess your employees? Would you want more time? I know I would, but it's completely up to you and, and your business. Again, brand new employee is really critical. And I, the reason why I've put this as a warning is because trial periods are really heavily impacted by practical evaluations. I'll say it again. Trial periods can be impacted by practical evaluations. You need to make sure, 100% sure, that you have done the practical evaluation or the practical interview where they've done a kind of trial shift where they come in for a couple of hours to show you their skills. You need to make sure that you've done that correctly. Now, if you're sitting here going, I'm a bit unsure about how to do this or if I have been doing them, maybe I haven't been doing them correctly. Well, you're in luck. I did do an episode about this a little while ago. So I will put that in the description. Please have a listen to it. 
because the employee will turn around and say, I worked for this employer prior to commencing employment. And the employee turns around and says that I've been unjustifiably dismissed because I was never actually on a a correct and valid trial period. The last thing that I want to say is do not make any verbal offers. No verbal offers, no verbal commitments. You need to make sure that you have backed everything up in writing. So it's better if you want to do a verbal offer, you can, but make sure you have put something in writing. I know many times in the corporate world, you'll get a call and they'll say, I'm so happy to let you know that I'm offering you employment. We're so excited to have you on board. It's going to be great. It's going to be amazing. And they've read out the terms of the offer. And then within maybe five minutes, they've sent you the offer. So that would be an offer where you can do a verbal offer, but the offer in writing, it needs to be promptly sent to the employee. If you don't feel like you're geared up for that, or you don't feel like you're ready for that and you're just not there yet, don't do it. Just go ahead and make the offer in writing. I did see something recently, and I apologize because I don't know the exact person that had posted about this, but misrepresentations is also another warning that I've just thought of that I think will be really critical. Making sure that you don't say anything where you misrepresent the trial period or the employment or anything like that during the conversation that you have with the employee. So what do I mean by that? Not saying to the employee, hey, trial periods are completely normal. Everybody does a trial period. So there's no need for you to really focus on that. Make sure that you've really clearly laid it out and that you have made a very clear offer to the employee. It's all about protecting you and protecting your business and just getting trial periods right. Having this all as a checklist as well will be great to have all of the requirements that you need to meet. There is so much out there that we shouldn't be getting this wrong. But clearly there is something that's wrong with the system. When in doubt, seek advice. Just go out and get some advice. Find out what you need to be doing to make sure that you've gotten it right. Make sure that your trial period clauses are correct. If you feel a bit doubtful about that, go and get that done. A couple hundred dollars here and there will be nothing in comparison to dealing with claims from an employee. With that said, thank you so much for bearing with me through this episode. I hope that this has really given you a very clear sight of what is required for a trial period. Share this with your friends, with your colleagues. I want to get the word out there because I just want to make sure everybody's doing this right. And I want to make sure that you feel comfortable enough to harness trial periods in the workplace. So if you have any questions or if you feel like you want certain topics discussed, I'm open to it. Reach out to me on LinkedIn. Feel free to reach out to me by email. And I'm ready to listen and I'm here for you. And I'm here to make sure that you feel a lot more confident. So thank you, everyone. Thank you for listening. I hope you have a lovely day, night, evening, morning, and I'll see you in the next one. 